Hello, this is one of our old episodes where our sound quality isn't quite so good and we're a bit amateur. <laughs> yeah, now we're pros and we've spoken about a lot more things and our sound quality is a lot better as you can hear currently. Yes, yeah, so enjoy the show anyway. Thank On you. the show. Welcome to... The Curiosity of... A child. This week we visit the Spice Isles. And on Anton Investigates, I look at local folklore. And we both tell a dramatic, dramatic story. We're now on Twitter at CurageHardPod. Hopefully our website will be coming soon too. Thank you for listening to our second show. Now, if you listened to the first one, you would have noticed that I've recovered from the brain surgery that we performed live on air. So you did a good job, actually, there. <laughs> yeah, considering that we didn't have the actual thing, we just had a kid's book to base it off. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you can learn from books. Yeah. And now time for another spice. Let's see what Anton makes of this one. Got a little pot here with the spice in. Anton doesn't know what it is and he looks a little bit apprehensive but also quite eager to get going. So, I've covered it up with some foil. So if you take the top off. Ooh, I recognise that. Give it a good smell. And um, I think that's from Mummy's curries. What's it smell like? It's quite strong. Can't, hard to describe, actually. Right, now you can actually pick one up and stick it in your mouth. Go back and chew. Oh my god! That's strong. It's definitely from... Yeah, it's definitely one of the spices from... <laughs> That's stronger than I was expecting, actually. Oh. Right, we'll have a little pause here. Okay, we're back. Um, Anton is, and both of us actually, we've just rinsed our mouths out. So it's actually pretty strong, isn't it? Do you want to grind some up? So we've got to put okay. some water here. So, which, have you used one of these before? Yeah, I've actually used it at school because we're learning about Tudors and we're doing Tudor medicines. Mm -hmm. I brought my own herbs in and my own personal water in and I was grinding it up and then it made it very dirty. <laughs> so I'm just going to pour some. Yeah, I think you're looking forward to using this, aren't you? Yeah, again. Right, as you're going to do that, do you know what the spice is called? No. It's cloves. Cloves? Uh-huh. I saw that in the shop the other day. I was mentioning that, wasn't I? Yeah. Um, so whilst you're grinding those up, I'm thinking of the smell release, I'll tell you a bit about them. Yeah, now, they're actually the aromatic flower buds of an evergreen tree native to the Maluku Islands, which are in Indonesia, which are also known as the Spice Islands. And it's believed that the oldest tree growing there might be... 400 years old. You can really smell it now. That is amazing. 400 years old? Yeah. That's older than my granny. <laughs> Only just. <laughs> and do you think they look a little bit like rusty nails? Yeah. Besides me. And that's actually where they get their name from. The Latin word for nail is clavus. It's probably pronounced wrong, but you can see where cloves come from there. Now, what's really cool about these is they're actually a member of the Mitosia or Myrtle family. Myrtle? Yeah. You know Myrtles, don't you? Yeah, Myrtle. Yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> so here's a photo. Sort of whitey green at the end and a lovely reddy pink. Yeah, yeah. so these are the buds. So I think it's going to be before the flowers have actually opened mm -hmm. up. Okay, so... The buds that they come from, they change colour, becoming bright red when they're ready to harvest. Then they're picked and they're left to dry in the sun. Now, the cloves are used in uh, Asian, African, near and Middle Eastern cuisine. 
And then you have probably seen them used before, these Christmas oranges. Oh, they're cool. Cool patterns there. And there's lots of... Mm, so what have they done with them there? So they, I think they've put them into the orange. They've stuck them into the orange and made like some patterns. And then they've also carved it, almost a bit like pumpkins. Yeah, so it's traditionally used at Christmas um, in decorations there. Actually, mm-hmm. I've seen those. And you, you sometimes you can actually get them as little uh, things to hang up. And they smell nice at Christmas. Yeah. Because with the pine cones and, and the smell of that, it's nice. They're like traditional bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they would have been very exotic. So, can I smell your breath, please? See, I deliberately asked you not to clean your teeth this morning, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Which may be bad parenting, but actually, it's for a good reason. Because in the 3rd century BCE, anyone who wanted to talk to the Han Dynasty Chinese emperors had to chew cloves and freshen their breath first. <laughs> so you could now go chat to a Chinese emperor. I wonder if the people, they thought it was maybe like a spice from Wonderlands because they didn't know where it's from. They thought it was like the magic spice. Uh, so can I try the ground up spice? Yeah, sure. Okay. You've done a good job grinding this up. Your mouth actually feels like after you brush your teeth, doesn't it? Or have your mouth washed or something. Ah, yes. Well, that's it was kind of used traditionally as um, for dental hygiene. We're told that clothes reached Rome by the 1st century CE by the natural philosopher and military commander Pliny the Elder. This was before he died in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius when Pompeii was buried. Yeah, yeah, we learnt about that school as well. Did a little bit of research. Yeah, he's very famous. Then in the 1700s, the Dutch East India Company tried to control the clothes market and they'd use sailing ships to go around the southern coast of Africa so they could bypass the Silk Road. So that way they could move it fast and didn't have to rely on Arab traders or people carrying it across. They tried to avoid the Silk Road because the clothes were so valuable. So valuable, in fact, that sometimes sailors would try and steal a sack full of them. Because either a single sack's worth is viable enough, meaning you'd never have to work again. A sack full? Yeah, probably a big sack, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. So you can see why a sailor might try and take one of those the ship. So obviously other people wouldn't want the Dutch monopolising something so valuable. So in 1770, a French man named Pierre Pouvoir uh, stole some seeds, which he took to Mauritius, so they could grow them there, so it's the right kind of climate. Now apparently these seeds were actually from the 400-year-old tree that I mentioned earlier. As well as being used in cooking, spice of many other uses, they contain a chemical called eugenol, which gives it its fragrance and is also said to repel ants and mosquitoes. I need some of those when I go to France. <laughs> yeah. It's also used as an antiseptic and an anaesthetic for fish. Fish? Yeah. <laughs> fish? Yeah, they can put it in the water. Um, and then it was also used in dentistry. And, and the, I think you can tell, it's like we said, it tastes a bit like mouthwash mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it sound awful, um, but you can get some of those flavours coming through. However, if you have too much, the chemical can be toxic and make you sick. <laughs> you haven't had that much. Ah. <laughs> Now, there was a remarkable lady called Elizabeth Blackwell, and she was an 18th century English physician. And she had this to say about cloves in her book, Curious Herbal. The trunk of the tree grows about the bigness of a man's waist. The leaves resemble those of Yibei in shape, size and colour. The flower is red and the seed a reddish brown. Cloves are esteemed, healing, drying, cordial, cephalic, and stomatic. Ain't love. This is a good voice. <laughs> Being good to stop vomiting, strengthening a weak stomach, expel wind. You're good at that. <laughs> prevent fainting and malignant distemper. 
The distilled oil is said to cure the toothache, bitter flying being dipped in it and put into the hollow tooth. And now into the present day. They're growing in many places these days where the climate suitable, such as Zanzibar. Yeah. And they're harvested between September and November. And they're actually still picked by hand. And the farmers have to climb the trees and reach up to them. So we've got a photo here. So we're in the perfect harvest season right now. We are, yeah. We're right in the middle of it, aren't we? Actually, as we're speaking, there's probably people climbing up trees right now. Yeah. Getting involved. Because it's actually a, a family kind of event. Everyone has to help out, and even the young children. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> you collect the uh, fallen slaves from the ground. As... Well, at least they don't have to go up a chimney. Not yet. <laughs> but I am tempted. The leaves and the buds are then separated and both are kept. The leaves can be crushed and used for perfumes or in dentistry. Perhaps the Chinese emperor was right in his idea about chewing cloves. The cloves are then left to dry outside for three days and their aroma fills the air. They are then collected, cleaned and checked for quality. Now today a 90 kilogram sack is worth about 500 pounds, so not exactly enough to retire on, but they are exported around the world and many actually go back to Indonesia where they yeah. came from originally. <laughs> Now that's the history of cloves. I had no idea they were flower buds. And who first thought to try cooking with them? I'm just gonna go back to my house and put this that I have no idea what it is and cook it and then eat it maybe. <laughs> Anton investigates fairies. So at school, we had mm -hmm. a project on Guernsey folklore. We chose to do fairies, and then we told a story and explained what some of the fairies did and who they were. So different types of fairies Yeah, different types of fairies. Mm -hmm. And then at the end we've got just a list of fairies and what to do with them. The stories of the fairies may actually surprise some of you because they're often seen as sort of friendly yeah. and maybe slightly playful creatures, aren't they? But that's mm -hmm. not always the case, is it? I've got to find out as we go into this. Yeah. So types of fairy, they're good. Mm -hmm. Brownies are kind, helpful fairies who lurk around the house doing effectively their chores. <laughs> oh, sounds helpful. I could do one of those. Leprechauns are mischievous and cheeky, but they've got a heart as well as a pot of gold. And gnomes are just generally nice. But then there are evil gnomes as well. So let's see what's next. Types of fairy, the bad. So, first one is hobgoblins. They are very cheeky, cr criminal-like things, and they're the complete opposite of brownies, trying to mess everything up, ruin everything. Yeah, and stealing things. Yeah. Now, redcaps. They are very scary, mm -hmm. um, horrible, and they are murderous, generally just horrible. Okay, what do we have next? So we've had the good, the bad, and the... Ugly. So types of fairy, the ugly. Pixies. Pixies? Pixies are cute little things. Well, you may think that, but mm -hmm. they're not. As we'll tell you in this story, the pixie invasion of Guernsey. So let's go into that now. One day, a beautiful maiden finds the king of pixies under a hedge who falls in love with her. Hello, I'm the king of the pixies. The king takes her to fairyland on his boat. You're coming with me. <laughs> when the other fairies see her beauty, they are jealous and all want her Guernsey wife for themselves. So they plan an, an invasion. Dun dun dun! Get the ship ready! 
A farmer spots a horde of pixie ships approaching Varzon Bay. He speedily warns the other Guernsey men to reinforce the defences. So the Guernsey men are now warned of the ferry attack. The pixies demanded the Guernsey men to hand over their wives and bring them to Le Cru Fe, also known as the Fairy Cave. So what's that then? Okay, so the Fairy Cave is a dolmen and it's meant to be the entrance to the fairy world or fairy dance. The men refused and armed themselves. This resulted in a massive battle in Rouge Rue. The battle lasted all day and was a very violent, brutal battle. The Guernseyman were no match for the superior strength of the Pixies and lost the violent battle. The blood of the men ran down the hill of Rouge Rue and that's how the road got its name. Okay, so that was the end of the story and I hoped you liked it. Beware of the fairies. Similar stories are told all over the world and fairies go by very different names. But they all seem to be the same creatures. Does this mean they're real? Up to you. So these are some of the names. These are just three of my favourites. So one of them is the Russian one. Banginik. <sighs> <laughs> uh, another one's Devil's Dandy Dogs. I was looking at that one. And then my last one is finally the Swerg. So what do we do then if there's these fairies? I mean, I'm worried they're going to come back and invade us again. So if we encounter fairies, mm -hmm. this is the fairy defence. If you do believe in fairies, you have to stay safe. And this is how. Never accept food from, from a fairy. Why not? Well, it could be magical or cursed. Hang a horseshoe on your door. Keep them happy with gifts of fruit juice in acorn caps. So is there anything else we can do? You can place marsh marigolds outside your door. Mm. Okay. Don't have any of those. We don't have any of those? No. Oh, I'm going to lock the windows in a minute. Okay. <laughs> and now you know the truth about fairies and how you should handle them. We're on site again. So where are we, Anton? We're in the Cruefe. What does that mean? It means fairy cave in Guernsey Front. Yeah, so this is the place where the fairies hid out here whilst waiting for the local Guernsey men to bring their all their women folk so the fairies could take them away. How many fairies do you think you could fit in here? About a billion. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And actually, as you walk around, sometimes you see a little fleeting glimpse of something flying and think, is that a fairy? Is that a moth? I don't know, so we're going to try and catch one, aren't we? Yeah. We're just walking around the outside of the fairy cave now, seeing if we can find anything. Dad's fairy door. Where? There. Oh yeah, how tall would you say that is? About... Five centimetres. Five centimetres. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Good spot. Hopefully it's not too windy and can hear us, but what have we just discovered? We have just discovered some footprints. Yeah, so we've got a photo of them and we've put them in the show notes and I don't know, it's definitely not human. Well, they're all really close together and they're kind of sort of rounded. And quite small, almost like they're hopping. Maybe like some sort of MP4 type. 
leaping along. It's going in a zigzag. What could it be? They have just very suddenly stopped now. This is very, very strange. Not just stopped, but actually disappeared. As we were recording that last one, and they've actually vanished. They've, they've literally just, we saw them disappear before our very eyes. Who knows what it was. We're now hunting fairies. No. We're deep inside the fairy cave. Can you see anything? No. Just the big hairy spiders. <laughs> Keep looking around. Just saw a lot of fluttering in here before. Mm. It's a spider corpse. <laughs> Perhaps they've gone deeper into... Very large. Actually, that's supposed world. to be a door. Uh, stay in that shape like a door here. Into fairy world. Oh, so that is a way through, is it? Which one do you think it could be? Like, it's shaped like a door and that's it's got a handle thing. That? Maybe, but it actually had the rock as a handle. Okay. Maybe it's that one. So Look see. up there. Can you see that? Yeah. Also, maybe it's that stone, because that's sort of got... Actually, yeah, that could be the way, and they could imagine that opening up. Actually, they could get hold of that. There's nothing underneath it. There's nothing underneath it. You can try to open it. <coughs> nice, no, difficult. Maybe you need to say some incantation or something. Let's do it. Yeah. Or need some sort of magic touch. Mm -hmm. There's another story as well where um, there's a nurse, mm -hmm. and the nurse. Uh, yeah, so and there's a pook, which is gun, a Guernsey word for fairy. Mm -hmm. And then they call, um, they ask her to come into here to tend their child who was sick. Mm -hmm. And then um, one time the child was sick into um, her eyes, and then oh. then they could see, then she could actually see the pooks, but oh. most people can't. That but there's actually two versions of this story but they're both sort of the same and yeah and then one then uh, a few weeks later she saw the pook um in the shops just helping himself to or the groceries oh so it's like shoplifting and stealing yeah then no one else could see <laughs> yeah um then the nurse said how dare you do that mm -hmm. and then said i can and then the pook said can you see me and then the nurse was like Yes, with my eyes. And then the um, peak was like, well, you shall no more. And then spat into her eyes. And she was blind. Well, probably blind. Blind. See, that's yeah. the thing with them. They, they ask for our help. So sometimes they, um, we have a good relationship with them. And other times there's these stories of them being mischievous or naughty. And uh, yeah. it's an odd relationship we have with them. <laughs> Come back, Anton. Don't leave me there. Come back. Anton's run away with fear, knowing the history of this place and what the fairies did to the Guernsey folk previously. I'm still deep within the cave, scouring the walls for any sign of movement. What was that? I think I felt something. I'm gonna run, there's something in here! <laughs>